Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Howard Holt, Mayor Mills, the Bearded Scholar, Looks Like Walking, Feels Like Running, and Alana Poppernick, and all of our Patreon supporters. And of course, where would we be without you, the listener? The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Davy Crockett, first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you for your ultra running history podcast. That is such a treat to look back at this beautiful, rich history of the sport and 99% of it, no one's ever heard of. Thank you for doing that week after week after week. <laughs> oh, I just, I have, I have a fun doing it because I discover things to myself I've never seen I know I've never heard of before so it's an adventure for me and you know every time I said oh wow I I found this this is really an interesting story so let's tell it well there's so many I mean you were doing a whole series for a while on on just running like these these events that they would do these ultra running events in the 1800s yeah. and, and like, like they were six day events and people would pay money to watch these things. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I, I just released a book. I compiled them into a book called stranger, strange running tales <laughs> when, when ultra running was a reality show. And uh, because I just had collected all these really bizarre and strange stories that uh, finally I just compiled them all and categorized them and, uh, and put them into a fun book to you know tell about the crazy things that what went on back then, including fist fights during <laughs> races and right, right. all sorts of stuff. It was like hockey at times. Oh, it's and it's it's crazy because here we think this sport started you know maybe in the late seventies when someone's horse went lame, which we'll talk about in a minute, folks. Uh, but there is this much greater, much bigger, much richer history of ultra running. And you, sir, have become like the archivist for for ultra running. And I, I thank you for taking that on. Oh, thank you. I've, I've enjoyed doing it. There's some some people before me, Andy Milroy in, in England, who's really the world historian and expert. And uh, 
He's getting up there in years, though, and I really appreciate his mentorship and his, his help along the way. I wanted to have you on because it is Western States Week, and you had done an episode or two on the real history of Western States, which to me was absolutely mind-blowing, Davey. I, I, like everybody else, I thought the history of Western States was as simple as Gordy Ainsley loves riding horses, loves this thing called the Tevis Cup, which is on the, the Western States Trail. He buys a horse, horse goes lame, all of a sudden mountain ultra running is born and he, he runs the thing and you know he, he, he finishes on foot, first person to do it. I that's the story that I have heard. That's the story that has been told for decades. But that is just a tiny part of the history of Western states, Davy. Right there's there's more to it. Generally, that that's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like it's kind of like it's kind of like there's a little part of it. It's almost like it's a made-for-TV movie. They had to condense it down to a certain point, you know, and not give all the details. But let's kind of run through the real history of the Western States 100. Great. You know, it, 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 uh, it, first of all, you got to understand that 100 mile, running 100 miles uh, on trails, tracks, and roads has happened for nearly two centuries, even in races. Uh, and so I found many, many races. And, and you also have to understand people have this concept that uh, people who maybe ran on roads back in the old days were running on some sort of pavement. But <laughs> our countries were not paved back in the, in the 19th century or early 20th century. They were they were ruddy mountain, mm -hmm. terrible dirt roads that we would call trails today. And so um, as I've carefully tried to figure out how many people would have run a uh, hundred, hundred miles uh, before, before Gordy did my, my answer is more than a thousand people have had run a thousand, a hundred miles in under 24 hours before Gordy. That's a, a thousand people. Uh, over a two-century period, so um, it didn't start with <laughs> with Western states, but certain certainly Western states marketing brought it to the forefront, and mm -hmm. and really helped ultra running, especially mountain trail ultra running, take take uh, take shape during that time period. Well, let's go back because I think it's all part okay. of the history. What was the earliest? Hundred miler that you have you have uncovered in your research? Oh, let's see. I think it's uh, seventeen thirty seven. I think, and it was a race. It was uh, on dirt roads, and uh, so I'm getting ready to release a another book. It's going to be running one running one hundred miles, part one, from I think seventeen thirty seven to nineteen sixty. So I'm going to going to go through all the different all the different races that. That happened. All the different solo events, all the the world records uh, that happened. I mean, back in the 19th century, the fastest um, hundred mile world record at the time was under 14 hours. I mean, these guys were fast, uh, and, and they were doing it, but they're obviously forgotten. And uh, some some people want to kind of just say, "Well, that was a different different era," and it was, but 
It was true. So wow. So what was the race in 1737 called? Oh, it wasn't it was really most of them back then were matches. So one guy makes a wager against another guy. <laughs> Big bets are taken and they have to go out and prove it. And a lot of times these guys weren't well trained and uh, it didn't do real well. But uh, so it's it is kind of funny to, to see how how well they did or how poorly they did over over the years. So. That first 100 mile you're able to discover in your research, the earliest one you've been able to find is that one in 1737, someone challenges someone else. You can't, I bet you can't run 100 miles in less than a day to which someone says, oh, I bet I can. That's right. And two people, do two people line up and try to see if they can both run from this point to, to that point? Yeah, normally they were solo one, ones, but there were, yeah, there were some early ones where two people were actually trying to do it. But most of them were solo attempts. You know, some some guy I don't know if they they make these challenges in a pub someplace. <laughs> Too much to drink, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there were real races. In fact, the real races that are well documented, especially some really good ones in the very early 1900s. A uh, hundred mile race among the Tarahumara in in Mexico. Yeah, uh, they would run one hundred mile races all the time, and they were mountain. They were mountain hundred mile races. They were, they were not. They were not on roads and you know dirt roads or pavement. They were very very good. And what's interesting is the um, the Americans who were building the railroads down there. They were fascinated by the Tarahumara. And so they they liked wagering on their races. So they would organize these hundred mile races for these Tarahumaras between their villages, and then they would wager on them. And you know, see, so, and they had very good times. I mean, down in the, the sixteen hour range, so uh, they were they were quick. Sixteen hour hundred mile mountain on races mountains. in the nineteen yeah, hundreds. Yeah, early nineteen hundreds. I think nineteen oh six or somewhere around there. Wow, so people that were building the railroads down in Mexico stumble upon this tribe of incredible ultra runners. And, and if you haven't read the book Born to Run, it, it, I mean, everyone's read that book, but if you haven't re- read it, because it kind of breaks down to that as well, because they're running in these homemade sandals. They're not running in Hoka, <laughs> Hoka speed goats. They're running in homemade sandals, and they're throwing down those times, and people are betting on it, like, hey, you guys really need to run a hundred miles here, and let, I bet you this guy's going to win. That's a, that's really amazing when you think about it. Yeah, wagering was just a huge part of the sport for really a long time until really the twentieth century. Uh, you know, corruption came came into it, it all, and it kind of got stamped out. The whole sport got stamped out for a while, but because of gambling and and corruption, so ultra running dies for a while because of gambling and corruption, bribery, fixed races, all that kind of stuff, uh, drugging, uh, you know, but uh, a crew being paid off to drug their runners so they would lose, you know, (laughs) yeah. So, so it's so interesting, and it kind of this all really leads into Western states because. Here we have this unknown world of it started in 1737, as far as you can tell, and it goes on through the early 1900s. 
It's so big that people are betting. There's corruption. People are getting paid off to drug their runners. They're so interested in watching people run for days and days and days. It kills the sport. Yeah, picture picture at Madison Square Garden. The big races were in Madison Square Garden, at least in America. And uh, tens of uh, thousands of people would come and watch. And I mean, some people would even be there every day. They would even sleep in the seats at night so they wouldn't have to pay admission the next day. But it was, think of it as a, a just a giant party. They would have uh, a, a bar uh, for for beer that was like uh, 50 feet long with 100 bartenders. And they would have other, they would have bands playing. They would have billiards in the middle of the the theater the arena they would have shooting galleries they do all sorts of things but the main event was watching these crazy skinny guys go around in circles for six days and they would uh, they would kind of hope that they would crash and burn and and provide them with a reality show. <laughs> so, so they weren't rooting for them to win. They were rooting for them Only to blow up and spectacular. Okay. Yeah. So they wanted if you you put money on a runner and you wanted every other racer to blow up in spectacular fashion. That's right. <laughs> because they'd have they'd have all these incredible hallucinations too. So they said they, what they said is by the third day the the runners would start going what they called cranky, which is crazy. <laughs> they would start envisioning things that were not there. And they would they would even go into the audience and start saying weird things to people. They would see <laughs> things. They would they would see the track in front of them um, jumping up towards them. They they thought there were hills in Madison Square Garden on one side of it. They'd have to climb a hill and then come down. All sorts of in my in my book, Strange Running Tales, I go through all the crazy hallucinations that, that these guys would have as they would run hundreds of miles. I mean the 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 world record at the time was over six hundred miles in six days. And so they they would go for what miles and miles yeah over and and that record was held for a long time until Yanis Kuris uh broke it in the I think in the late 80s uh, wow 1980s, but Davey <laughs> like okay we're gonna get to western states folks this all leads into the history of western states what were runners that were running in Madison Square Garden for six days at a time what what like, like what kind of shoes were they wearing? What were they wearing <laughs> they, when they were doing this? They had to figure these things out, but they were mostly leather shoes. And um, but they would do the blisters were were a major problem. They'd have to figure out what they would do. Some would um, you know pour alcohol into their shoes, seem to help. I don't know how, uh, but they, and they would do things with their feet. But yeah, they were pretty poor shoes <laughs> compared to what we use. <laughs> Now, and some of them would get blisters so bad, and of course they'd go barefoot, and that didn't work real good because they're running on sawdust most of the time on these sawdust tracks. Oh, wow, <laughs> it, it was it was miserable. I mean, and the trainers they they'd call the crew trainers. Uh, they were also their backers who had big bets on them, so they would do everything they could do to keep their runner on the track whether it's uh, whipping them or poking them with with needles to wake them up 
or or, or they'd even wake them up with I don't know air horns or, or something really loud to just scare them to to get back out there on the track. So we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, now I just want to point out that Davey is a veteran of over 100, 100 mile ultra marathons. What, uh, what crew techniques from the early 1900s do you think should be brought back? to races nowadays <laughs> i don't know they were pretty brutal you know i mean even the runners at times would carry whips they would whip their own legs to kind of wake them up and keep them going you know <laughs> but of course they use big they use a lot of stimulants and probably elite but are illegal drugs today you know to cocaine they were snorting cocaine is probably what there they were was doing. there was stuff going on and uh, and unfortunately a lot of them had Pretty severe health problems in the in years to come. Uh, um, I many, just, many of them did live to their eighties and nineties. Had great, great lifespans. You know, amazing. I think you and I could retire. You and I need to go to like all like um, to Ultimate Directions or Hoka <laughs> or some, one of the one of the manufacturers of stuff. Maybe you know we'll find somebody Ultra Spire. To bring back the ultra running whip, I think we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, could, could put some logos on them and. Yes, you know it's 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 the motivator. Just call it the motor. It's the ultra spire motivator. You can get it now. You, you can buy one. There's a runner's version and a cruise version. You're tired of your of your runners sitting in the aid station too long. Get the motivator That's out right. and just whip them out of the aid station. You're taking too long. Let's get going. That is absolutely incredible and so do you think the times because you said some people were getting down in the 1900 early 1900s were getting times running 100 miles in 14 hours right do you think that was because of the stimulants they were using and the illegal drugs that they were using or were they just in ridiculously good shape back then they got in very good shape. I think the the majority of the real elite runners were do, were doing things good. In fact, a lot of them prided on themselves not using stimulants. So, mm-hmm. um, but there were some shady characters in there. And so, in my book, I I kind of categorized some of them uh, when out when the deep end after after you know when they couldn't win the money as much, then they would go into illegal activities and. And there, there was even murders uh, going on. That, <laughs> yeah, really bad stuff. Wow. But, but the the really good runners, the really elite ones, and uh, many of them came from from England. Were were just amazing, amazing athletes. And sometimes we think, well, only oh, amazing athletes can only be you know coming from the last twenty years. But no, I mean these. You know, there were amazing athletes back then, but they just didn't have the same privileges that we did and the same equipment and the same fueling understanding and and so forth. But they pushed or they pushed pretty hard. If you you know, they they won the equivalent of several million dollars in career winnings 
the, the real good ones in these races. <laughs> I mean, wow. a huge life-changing amount of money that they, they won. So they had huge motivations to do well, to train hard, and to stick out there because um, in the hard times of those, and there were, there were hard times, it was a, a, a good way for them to have a great living. Did you look into what the training was like for these early runners, these runners coming from England, these runners from the United States that were doing these 14-hour, 100-milers, these 600-mile-long six days? Like, what was the early training of ultra running? What did that even look like? Well, and, and a lot of it was walking, uh, especially when you get in these six-day races. You can't run the whole time. Right. So they, ha- they had to be very good walkers. So they would do very high mileage training weeks though i mean you know doing 40 50 miles a day in a in training would not be uncommon and they would do them on tracks they would do it on open roads and and so forth um but uh during during a 30-year period many of these races were held indoors in these arenas mm-hmm. uh big arenas and then small city halls you think of a track that is 30 laps to a mile <laughs> you know you just going around in dizzy miles and trying to pile up like 400 miles in six days wow uh, and they would travel the country and just show up <laughs> hey hey everybody come on down to the so-and-so county town hall because all of these runners that you've heard of in the newspaper are going to be correct. in town running for six straight days come out and drink a lot of beer it's good to see that the finish lines haven't changed and that beer is still a huge part (laughs) of ultra running davy but come on out wager on your favorite runner cheer them on cheer the other ones to blow up and get nice and schnockered while you're out there that's right (laughs) (laughs) so so that goes on 1700s early 1900s and then you said earlier that the sport kind of went away because there was so much corruption and violence and gambling that they just kind of the sport just disappeared for a while yeah it was about uh, early 1900s the 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 big cities where they were popular like philadelphia and new york actually passed laws to outlaw them i mean they had a lot of pressure from like the clergy who didn't like to see people missing church on Sundays <laughs> because they had were spending the, and they were, you know, they were gambling. It was really low life stuff. And the theater, you know, didn't like it in New York because people weren't going to the theater. They were going to these, <laughs> these events. <laughs> and so, so it, there was politics involved. And eventually, most of the cities outlawed these um and and bicycle six-day races also became part of this yeah and this, so so they thought that this was a, and they thought it 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 attracted a kind of low lives and uh so it was a matter of trying to clean up things and then of course the corruption and so by you know the last six-day race probably about 1907 and um then there just there was some, some sporadic 100 mile or uh, matches or mm-hmm. solo events um but the big thing that really shut things down was, was the great depression and world war ii 
uh, as you can imagine, people yeah. aren't going to go spend money to watch skinny guys run around in circles. Right. And, they were uh, they were busy. Everyone was off fighting wars. There was, there was other things right. going on. How crazy. And so I think nothing drives home the point more that perhaps ultra running was a bigger sport in the late 1800s, early 1900s than it is now. It was so popular. Think about that. What, what you just said, Davey. Think about this. Clergy and movie theater owner and theater owners petitioned politicians to outlaw six day ultra marathons because nobody was going to church and nobody was going to movies. They were going to watch people <laughs> run in circles for days. Like that's unfathomable. Like that, that, that was the biggest sport of the time. When you think it about was, it, it was the it was the number one for America anyway. The number one spectator sport for at least a 10, 20 year period. Bigger than baseball, soccer, boxing. Uh, it was it was the deal uh, back then. It was America's pastime for twenty yeah, years. We, yeah, we 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 did. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not even close to getting not back to that close. level. Not even close. So, you know, once the war was over, it, it, it started to come back. I mean, it continued in South Africa and England in some very classic races that they had their comrades in mm. um, what's called London to Brighton. Yeah. They kept things going. But for America, it had to come back at Ted Corbett. Who, who we think is kind of the the father of, of American long distance running or ultra running. He he really brought it back to New York City, and um, so eventually, one hundred mile races were taking place uh, in New York City, in Flushing Flushing Meadows, in Shea Stadium, even mm-hmm. uh, where they were road or track hundred mile races. This is well before uh, Western states. And, okay. Uh, some other races, 100-mile races started in California, uh, in Sacramento, in the Bay Area. They would, they would hold them on the on roads and tracks, 100-mile uh, races. And, of course, the, the people who started Western States were not, were not runners. They were horse endurance athletes, and they didn't understand the history of the sport of running or ultra running at all. <laughs> Right, they, so, they thought like, oh, no one's ever done this before. But nobody's people have been ever doing done this. this before because they've never heard of it before. Right, but people uh, have been doing it for two hundred plus years that's before right. that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so we so, know. Yeah. So, so really, so really, what's very important is the horse endurance race uh, mm-hmm. that was held there on what eventually was named the Western States Trail. It was called the Tahoe Auburn. Um, uh, horse trail. <laughs> it was a, it was a it was a route between Lake Tahoe and Auburn to get mm-hmm. to Sacramento, and yeah. believe that some miners took this route in the in the eighteen hundreds. It wasn't a major trail. It was just um, it was just a, a route that uh, was researched out eventually. And so, in nineteen fifty five, started a horse endurance. Um, one they called it a 100 mile in one day horse endurance race, yeah. and that uh, became it's kind of minor at first, but it became after a while the most um, well known endurance horse race in in the world, uh, very very big. Uh, and Wendell Roby of Auburn is the one who 
championed it and helped organize it. And uh, he had this vision to make Auburn, California, the endurance capital of the world. That's what he wanted it to be. Yeah. And um, so it, it, it had a lot of fame. And what happened was uh, one, one, of the, one of the ladies who rode uh, one year in 1962 or three, um, she, she liked it, but her husband, there were a number of, um, during the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. uh, there was this uh, a captain who, um, it was there, it's when the Vietnam War was winding down. Yeah. Uh, and they would return, you know, soldiers were returning from the war, but yet not released. And so they were in different, um, different places. And one was in Fort Riley, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot, of, a lot of soldiers there. They needed something to do. Yeah. And so they, they organized a, what do they call it? Uh, just kind of an endurance team. Uh, and the, the vision was to get them in really good shape and then to pr- promote recruiting would have them go do really interesting things uh they would do they went down some river for hundreds of miles rolling uh to get their endurance but they wanted to do well we should do a uh, a march where could we do a hundred mile march well this wife of this captain who was on the team remembered about the the western states trail ride says why don't why don't we go march the trail yeah, <laughs> and and so in 1972 they got the, the idea. They co- they contacted Wendell Roby, who was in charge of the trail and in charge of the horse race, and he said, "Hey, this is a great idea." And so they sent out uh, a, a, cap- a captain and a cu- couple individuals to come and consult with him mm-hmm. to kind of plan out yeah. the race, plan out the march. Yeah, uh, and they came out. He helped them understand where the checkpoints were for the horses, where they could get water in streams, and he he recommended that they don't st- that they didn't start with the horses. Why don't you start a day earlier uh, and finish with the horses? That way, it gives you at least forty eight hours to get it done. Yeah, and so so this was in nineteen seventy two, two two years before before Gordy 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 was. Uh, riding a horse that year in in the race so he, he, he saw this all yeah he, he draw he rode his horse right by these army sol- he did. These soldiers he witnessed it all yeah it's, it's a, and so these soldiers came out 20 of them 20 of them started and um you know they tried really tried to train i mean they did as long as 50 mile marches i think but you know they were doing in kansas and so they made the joke when they saw the sierra the first time that they weren't in kansas anymore you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. right there's no mountains in fort riley kansas and they truly did and so that year the horse race had, had moved from lake tahoe to squaw valley mm-hmm. because uh it became too big for uh, to stage it in lake tahoe so it started in where where it does today and um and after that first, they had hoped to keep everybody together uh, to be the first ones to do Western States on foot. Um, but once they got up to the first climb, <laughs> they, they were gassed. And so they made the decision that they what they'd do is they'd divide into to teams of three. So stick together with a, a team of three and try to make it to the end because some were faster, some were slower. Yeah. And... Um, 
So I'll make a long story short, they they made it to they made it to the end in like 45, 46 hours, seven of them mm-hmm. did. A lot of them dropped out along the road, you know, had the DNF, they terrible dehydration. They didn't carry food with them. No. They they, they carried maybe a canteen. Some, one guy was smart and he had three canteens. Uh they might have they had some they did it in boots <laughs> and uh, maybe a spare pair of socks, and that's about it. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Wow. Yeah. And I can then imagine when they, when they saw the escarpment. Were... Oh, God. <laughs> After training yeah. in Kansas, like, oh, God, what is this? I mean, one group had to run from a bear. You know. <laughs> <laughs> they would they would get into the horse stations and eat MREs. I mean, they were just <laughs> terrible food that they had. And uh, but somehow seven of them made it. And at the awards banquet where they handed out the buckles, including, you know, Gordy was there. He saw that the soldiers were awarded a trophy by Wendell Roby of being the first to first on foot, the first finishers on foot of the Western States Trail. So these seven guys were recognized. It's huge in the Auburn paper. There are multi pages of pictures and big deal. Yeah, these these guys were the first. <laughs> did and they get? Did they get buckles? Did, did they get the horse? <laughs> the horse race buckles? They did because they didn't do it. Yeah, they do it under twenty four hours. Okay, you know, gotcha. For the horses yeah. together, but they got they did get medals from the state and the county and from from the army and. The best thing that they got was a three-day pass. <laughs> so what's cool is when I discovered this, and I discovered it, I just stumbled on it. I was I was researching the Tevis Cup, the the, the Western States Trail Ride. Yeah. I wanted to understand the history of that, and then I ran across this article. I go, what is this? There were people who did it before Gordy did. And um, so I spent a year researching it with a with a you know, with a friend. Uh, we found many of these soldiers. They they were they're all, all old in their seventies. They, yeah. they had never heard of Western states before. They didn't know that they were part of the history. But wow. they were a del- they were a delight to talk to. Just these old guys who who thought that was the most stupid thing that they ever did in their life to march that trail wait a minute davy you found some of the seven original soldiers we did who completed the trail on foot and they had no idea no about clue. the western states 100 no clue. what did they I remember i i, I found a, i found a daughter on facebook of one of the guys i said i really would like to talk to your talk to your dad and she said well i'll get back to you and she, so she said she contacted her dad, mentioned the, this event that she had never heard about. She had never told her daughter about. And when when he, he, he she mentioned it to him, all he did was start laughing, <laughs> start laughing his head off because then the memories came back about 
with a crazy thing that he and his 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 army friends did back in 1972 that is so amazing has there ever been a push by western states to kind of and not rewrite the history that they've been telling of of the event but welcome these original seven back because they are a part of the history of the race whether we want to admit it or not that's what's sad about it no they haven't and here's the reason is is uh, so western states the the true race started in 1977 three years after after gordy did it yeah and uh, wendell roby was getting elderly said hey you know let's let's do this he put his money behind it he was truly the founder mm-hmm. and um that, that first year they just it was haphazardly or organized in 77 but in 1978 they got organized they had a board and they decided let's use the gordy story as our marketing story for the race and so that was their strategy is is to and they even in an interview i had a private interview i had with them they said they were propping gordy up mm-hmm. and and wanted that to be the him to be the icon of the race it was brilliant a brilliant marketing strategy well, you yeah. think about it, it is. I mean, you, you've got to create an image of the sport. And yeah. let's not, we, we don't want to discount what Gordy did because, I mean, Gordy did run. He did what he did. He, he did, did what he did. He wasn't the first person to do it. He made he very the first well. under 24 hours. Yes. And it wasn't really 100 miles even back then. It was actually 88 to 89 miles. Okay, so it was about 11 miles short. Yeah. But but he, he did it. Um but was interesting when he when he did it in seventy four. There really was no there was no big splash in the newspaper mm-hmm. or anything. It really was three years later when they said let's let's market this thing, and that's when Gordy started getting the attention. And they would roll them out each year, and and uh, and kind of make a big deal. It was it was great. The reason they didn't include the soldiers is to. The, Again, these are horse endurance riders. They weren't runners. They, right. They had no idea what the history was. To them, the soldiers came and they left. They didn't help establish the race. They didn't do anything. Right. Gordy, on the other hand, was one of their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he did run it, and then he did help uh, establish Western States 100. So that's that's where they, they you know, they'll defend Gordy all the time. And, and there's still those organizers that are associated with today's race and so they they still stand behind their marketing uh and and don't want to have anything distract from it and so i think that's why they you know they, they really don't want to embrace the, the what the soldiers did but don't you think it kind of richens the history though that's that oh, I, that's <clears throat> to, to me it does because when you think of the other other iconic races like spartathlon and mm-hmm. comrades and so there's always this soldier origin where there was a serviceman who were, were part of the original part of it. And you got these Vietnam vets who had served our country so well, came back and did this. I think it, I think it 
enhances it and enriches it. I, I think it. I think it absolutely is correct. I think it doesn't take away from the reality that let's just be honest, folks. Gordy did it in under twenty four hours. Gordy was the first person to run that le- that length, whether it was eighty eight yeah. or eighty nine miles. Yeah, they, the soldiers. The only time they ran was uh, I could tell was when they were running from despair. <laughs> 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 Everything else was what they back then. They didn't know what power hiking was, so they probably just called it hiking. They didn't. They didn't call it power yeah. hiking. They just called it walking slash hiking. But it doesn't take away from it. And I would wonder. And I don't know if if you've had discussions with Gordy, but you have to wonder if the seeds for what he did was planted by those soldiers at Fort Riley, seeing them and what they did. Two I years. Think, I, I think they were, there were, but he won't admit that. You know, he witnessed it. He saw it. Everybody saw it. All every everybody saw it. the organizers, the future organizers of the run. They saw it. Everyone saw it. Uh, but the, Gordy says he was more inspired by Drew, um, uh, you know, uh, Wendell's secretary. Okay. Who you know, Gordy when he ran, he because he was over two hundred pounds when he would do the the horse ride mm-hmm. he was so heavy that he would slow his horse down so even in the horse endurance ride he would run either ahead or behind the horse uh to help his time but he still was only a mid-pack finisher yeah uh, but so they saw him run a lot and so you know they did it they did say hey why don't you when he couldn't get a horse that one year his horse went lame the previous year but yeah he didn't. He, he he gave that horse away, and he never never got a replacement horse. And finally, he got encouraged. Says, "Why don't you just run it, Gordy? You know, you've been running most of the course anyway. Why don't you just run it?" And they gave him uh, a number of zero uh, that he put on his shirt, and uh, and he indeed and he started a little early before the horses in '74, uh, and to to get a good head head of them on the single track. Um, and he struggled. He almost gave up uh, as it got hot during during the afternoon. Yeah, but, uh, but he he did, it and good good for him. The eighth person to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he he was the fastest person to do it out of that eight. Yeah, uh, fastest known <clears throat> time. He 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 did it. Yeah. So going back real quick, you mentioned something, and I, I don't want to just glance over this. The story is horse goes lame. He doesn't have time to find another horse. Well, oh, shoot, I'll just run the thing. So you're saying no. the horse went lame the year before? It did. Yeah, he made it to uh, the first checkpoint. I think it got lamed at the first checkpoint. So he he DNF'd that year in um, 73. Okay, and, and so, so he had a whole he year. Ended up, he ended up giving that horse away to his, his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And then he broke up with that girlfriend, and he never got the horse back. And... <laughs> You know, he was he was kind of a wild guy back then. I don't know, not not real organized, not well planned. You know, um, I don't think he had a career yet. I think he was uh, cut, cutting, doing doing logging, uh, whatever his career was back then. But then the race came around. He 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 never had purchased another horse. Wow. Okay, so that's the truth and right he, there. And he corrects that. That's one thing he does correct. Okay. When people tell the story wrong, they'll say, no, 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 no. It went lame the year before. Okay. And uh, and uh, he, he does that. But what he doesn't correct, or they don't correct, is they don't say, well, the soldiers actually were the first finishers on foot. Gotcha. Um, 
that's interesting. I'd never heard the fact too that he was his size. He was a bigger runner. I've seen him in person. He is a bigger guy, um, but he was running with his horse to get his horse moving faster and had run a lot of the Tevis Cup just to get moving at a speed that would, you know, because he was slowing the horse down because of his size. So he's running ahead of the horse for so yeah, much of behind, that race. Or behind the, they, and many, many of them would do this. They'd hold on to the tail of the horse as they, they went along. So you'll see some pictures of Gordy holding on to a, a tail of a horse. And that was that was common. So it depends on if they, whether they're going uphill or downhill, whether they were behind, behead, ahead or behind. And Gordy also was very good at what are called these ride and tie races. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which involves both running and riding where you have a partner, uh, be your partner and, and one horse and you have to all get to the finish line. So they, they would, they would run ahead or ride ahead then tie off the horse. And then the other guy would catch up, get to the horse and then ride it get ahead, tie off the horse. And so that's why it's called ride and tie. And he, he, he did very well. Won some, pretty good big races in uh, California. Wow. I mean, this is, I, even though I've listened to your podcast and I've read the stories and stuff, <laughs> I just hearing you tell it is such an amazing story. So the first year of the official Western States running of the f- first official Western States is 1978? 77. 77. Who and was- it wasn't well organized. It ran with the horses that year and okay. they just used the horse checkpoints, which were too far apart. And so um, the, the uh, let's see, Andy Gonzalez won it, but there were very few finishers. There were some who had 100-mile ex- expertise. They had already run some races, uh, some tracker road races, but uh, there were very few finishers. And, it, it, they, you know, these horse endurance guys, they, did, they didn't know what they were doing <laughs> right. to support their runners. Well, yeah, because... So it was 78 when it got fully organized. They moved it away from the horses mm-hmm. and uh, established aids, lots of aid stations. Uh, and they did do the medical checks. They, they, the medical checks came in for the horses. And so that's how it came into our sport, at least for a while. Uh, most of them are gone these days. But uh, that came because of the horse checkpoints. So they would check the, the horses. And so they thought, well, we got to check the runners too. So let's take blood pressure. Let's take, you know, yeah. let's take weight. Let's do all this, all this. Stuff. Because of horses, because that's what you did in horse races. Uh-huh. That's what you did. Wow. Yeah. So you said Andy Gonzalez was the first runner to win Western States in 1977. And he, and he repeated in 78. Yeah. Well, what was his finish time in 77? Oh, can't remember. Ah, was, uh, I, I'd have to look it up. No, nah, it's okay. It, it was pretty good. I, I'm trying to, trying to think of. Around twenty four hours. I mean, it was less than twenty four hours. Okay, so, so finished less yeah. than twenty four hours. And was it was it a hundred miles at this point, Davey? Oh, eighty nine. So really, eighty eight, eighty nine miles. So it was. It wasn't until eighty three or so um, that they. I have a chart of that. I can look up. Yeah. Uh, that they discovered that. You know, they'd been calling it a hundred mile race over all these years for the horses, but you gotta remember they moved it from Lake Tahoe to Squaw Valley for the start. You know, so. That so, makes sense, right? Originally, because Tahoe to Auburn would have been a hundred miles. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, right? They never measured. They never measured. So it was from seventy to seventy-nine that it was about eighty-nine miles. They mm-hmm. added some miles in nineteen eighty, but it only brought it up to ninety-three point five. 
So it wasn't until 1985 that someone wheel measured the course uh, and published it in Ultra Running Magazine, said, hey, the course is only 93 and a half miles, you know, and Western States board did their own in independent measurements and agreed with that measurement. And that's when they started adding miles to it. And in the 85, then they brought it up to 100.2 miles. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Who was the first winner of an actual 100-mile Western state? So who would have won it in 85? Andy, Andy Gonzalez. Again, yeah. so Andy Gonzalez is owning this race early for on. the first two years, yeah. Yeah. He and he, you know, he was he didn't have a lot of experience, and he only the first race he only joined. You know, he lived right there, uh, and it, I think it was Gordy who a few days before the race said, "Andy, why don't you come ra- run it? Um, you'll probably only make thirty miles, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> come and do it." And so he wasn't. He had run the trails in that area, and he had quite a bit. Uh, so on kind of on a whim, I think he even hitchhiked to the race and started it and surprised everybody <laughs> and, and won it that first year. He hitchhiked to the race. <laughs> I think he did, if I remember right. <laughs> so so it, he comes back in 1985 when it's... 88. Oh, are you asking who, who won yeah, the first 100 Who, who won mile? the first official 100-mile oh, running? You know, the fa- famous of the year before was Jim King. Okay. Uh, so I don't know who who won it in 85. So, yeah, Andy was is 77, 78. Okay, 77, and, 78, when it was 89 yes. miles, and then they add a couple miles to its yeah. 93 miles. And then at some point, 1985 is the year that Western States is officially certified as a 100-mile yeah. ultra. But, but you got to get, you got many of the early 100 miles were not 100 miles. They were, some of them were, I think Wasatch was way over. Uh, a lot of them just, you don't know for sure. I remember, well, I won't mention the race that I, I'm talking about now, but I ran a 100-mile race uh, that I loved. And the next year I came back and, uh, and it had been going on for over a decade, and they added six miles. So I said, why, why is it six miles longer this year? Right. Oh, well, <laughs> to bring it closer to 100 miles. Oh. You know, so you shouldn't be too surprised that, uh, that uh, there are, there are uh, others. I mean, those that are done less mountainous, like Old Dominion was more on dirt roads, but still trails. I mean, Theirs was likely close to 100 miles or over their first year. So, so, so some people joke that maybe they were really the first mountain 100 miler. So for you, all the research that you've done, Davey, and you've done extensive research, what do you think? Which race do you believe was the first 100 mile um, ultra, trail ultra 
of the return of Ultronian, not the original, right. you know, in the seventies. Right. I, I can't. I count Western states. I. I don't. I. I don't get into the the miles of it. Yeah. You know. You know. Well, because we didn't have GPS back then. I mean, you're yeah. like, who's gonna wheel off a course? <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, they were they they were wheeling courses on roads and tracks back right. then. Right. But. To, to wheel on trails that was uh that was a new thing to do so, so you're you're on the western states camp you will say western states yeah, is the yeah, first there's one some, there's some uh, nick marshall who keeps the longevity longevity of 100 miles you know who has the longest career of 100 miles he has chosen not to count those years in western states as 100 miles i count him i say you were there right you ran it you thought it was 100 miles it, it's you know Back then, that was close enough. Now, in our age, no, it's not close enough. But <laughs> back then, it might have been. So, 85, first year, it's officially 100.2 miles. You know, that's what it is now, 100 point, point you got to get that point two in there, that point yeah, two they, miles. Yeah, they keep having to change it, though. I mean, it's, it's changed over the years, you know. Yeah. Whether it's, you know the government or fires or whatever they've had to had to make changes over the year when was the decision made that the belt buckle was going to be the award for finishing in one day how'd that all come up come about well that was that was that was part of the horse the horse race um so they were handing out the belt buckle um for the horse endurance race the tevis cup Mm -hmm. you know in the in the 50s and 60s and 70s so so in seven i don't know if they handed them out in 77 uh i had to you know i'm sure i mentioned in my history uh but it might have been 77 78 uh, for sure 78 that they had this this hermes uh figure on the on the buckle but but believe it or not, I found an ultra where they ha- had a belt buckle well before to Western States. Get out! <laughs> which which hundred mile race did you find that had a belt buckle before Western States? That was uh, 1959 in New York City. Ted Corbett he handed out belt buckles for the top three finishers in 1959, and so in my article uh western states uh, myths and legends i have a picture of that belt buckle it's kind of interesting that that hey there was a belt buckle before western okay states but was it parallel thinking did did Ted yeah, qu- parallel thinking okay to- totally you know the races today definitely got the idea for western states but i just find it amazing and interesting that there actually was uh, predecessor that's amazing so was was ted corbett was he influenced by the awards that long distance horse races would give out uh-uh. no just he thought belt buckles so. were just cool like ah let's just give him a belt I buckle think so. i think so different kind of trophies different wow. kind of medals i mean you look at the medals that these old time runners had all sorts of trophies and medals and things like that and so yeah, yeah. I don't know if his his son even knows why he chose the belt buckle. But interesting, Ted won the race, so he got <laughs> he got a belt buckle. So the picture I have is his belt buckle. When did they switch Western States from the Hermes uh, on the buckle to the That's Cougar? A good question. It was early. It was early. My guess would be about 1980 or so. Okay. Um. Um. So, 
but there was a there was a number of years. So I think those ones were pretty rare. Those ones with a with a with a runner on it were so, pretty rare. So Hermes was he was. I mean, if you see one of those Western States buckles, there's not many of those in existence. I don't think so. Yeah, I think they're pretty rare. Wow. Yeah. And so they changed it '80s to the Cougar. Was it yeah. always was Western States? always you only got a buckle if you finished under 24 or did they always have the the bronze buckle and the silver buckle i think the bronze and silver buckles came in later uh in fact at first uh, the earlier they they wouldn't count a finisher uh the first year if you were over 24 hours even even though they they fudged and put them in the, the results um but that first year after very few finished under 24 hours and some really good runners finished over that they decided to do the 30 hour cutoff and uh, that was very wise and um and then once they had that said well what should we award them uh, i th- i think they first did plaques or something mm-hmm. for over uh, kind of like vermont did yeah um so yeah so the yeah. buckles are born I mean, they were wise old, old dominion made a big mistake in their early time they they when they wanted to reduce the number of runners in their race so they could keep it with the horses in old dominion this mm-hmm. is in virginia yeah so this this was a race that started in in the east patterned after western states um that um was put together after a while they they kept a 24-hour cutoff for their race, which kind of eliminated the possibility for a lot of the early women to even participate, uh, and uh, or 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 new runners. And they drastically limited. It was kind of yeah. sad, and that's that's why they felt for a few years they fell out of what's called the Grand Slam of ultra running because it was felt that they weren't. <laughs> They weren't a worthy member of that Grand Slam anymore, and Vermont was put in instead. Interesting. Started. Very interesting. So, but eventually, they got they got wise and raised the limit back up to thirty hours. So, Davey, Western states. When is the lottery brought into play? Oh, what year was that? It was pretty early. It was in the eighties, but very early eighties. Okay, so um, early eighties up until because you'd think because did they always limit it to four hundred and change? So the the number, the only reason, and the number that they have today is the same. The Forest Service wanted to limit the number of runners, and they said, "Okay, how many did you have last year?" And it was whatever that number is today, uh, and that's the number. They said, "Okay, that's the number." And uh, that's where the number has stuck through the ages. Just because they asked, how many did you have last year? Okay, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We, we don't want you to have any more than that. So it has yeah. nothing to do with sustainability or anything. It no. has to do with no. the tradition of, well, just whatever you had last year, that's what we'll approve moving forward. That's right. So I know that very early on with the lottery pits, and you, there was a two-time loser rule in the lottery where if you came, if you went into the lottery and you didn't get picked twice, you automatically went in that third year. When did the boom become so big, Davey, that they were like, listen, we, don't, we can't even hold that anymore. This is too big. There is no two-time loser rule. 
See, I'm a historian for ancient history. You are getting into the modern history now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I haven't, I haven't, I haven't compiled that or yeah. documented that. But it hasn't been that terribly long, though. I think that's probably no, within I, the last 10 or 15 adjust, years. They've had to adjust it over the years, yeah. To get this, this, I, I know I only tried to get into the lottery once. Uh, and... Uh, I you know it's such a discouraging process, and there's so many good races at the same time of that. I mm. I kind of had the attitude of I'm going to run these other races, um, but now that I've written the history of it and researched it so deeply, I regret my decision. <laughs> I, I I wish I would have run it. I I really do, and uh, I even wish I could still just run a part. I just had my both my knees replaced. I need to to get those fixed up before I can ever think of running those trails. Well, I'd say you could run it with Gordy, but I don't think he likes you. (laughs) I don't don't think you. But but others others have offered. There there have been nice people who have offered. We'll take out the trail, baby. So maybe someday I'll get out there. Well, yeah. It's just so so historic. I mean, it feels like I know every every corner and every rock already although i've never seen it but i've 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 read so many tales and 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 written about it so much what is it davy that has made the western states 100 so iconic and really the the boston marathon of mountain ultra trail 100s Again, I, I I go back to Wendell Roby and his forward thinking to make Auburn the endurance capital of the world. He brought together some very smart organizers, um, and he had a gang of four that started it: uh, two two women and two men. Uh, and uh, Gordy purposely wasn't part of the four because of they joked because of his organizational skills and he he wasn't he wasn't an organizer but these four did a, did a great job in establishing this race then that others patterned after so when wasatch got started in 1980 they they would call uh auburn and say what have you guys learned what can we learn from what you've done uh, when when Old Dominion started. They patterned it after Western states, and and so forth. Uh, Leadville, and all the all the early ones did. So, you know, they they certainly were um, trendsetters and um, and brought a lot into the sport that was new and and very important. And and that so many races have then been patterned after and brought the and brought the spotlight onto trails okay mm-hmm. so it's it's fun to read in old ultra running magazines the transition from track and road to trails uh there's one camp that just couldn't understand why people were going off in the forest <laughs> to run <laughs> what are you guys doing <laughs> you can't set world records you can't do this or that and on the other hand, those who, who understood it, and I'm one of them, I started on trails. Uh, I couldn't, at first, I couldn't understand why would anybody want to run on, run on these city roads in circles over and over again. Yeah. So, but it was it, it was interesting to see in, during the 90s. It really was not until the 90s when a big transition was made away from the 100 milers on roads and tracks to the trails and then the trails really took over 
and became popular. But one correction you gotta gotta do. We sometimes we think we invented it all here in in America mm-hmm. and in California. No, ultra running was far, far, far bigger in Europe, and and uh, thousands more people participated in so many of the races. Now, most of them were 100 Ks, right? Uh, because of the metric system, uh, but. But let's not forget about our European brothers and sisters because they they were really putting ultra running on the map there in these other countries. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We think we invent a lot of things. You know what I mean? We do. Well, Columbus came over here and he's like, hey, where? Oh, look at this land no one's ever seen before. I've, oh, look what I've discovered. Um, where do you see the sport going? Is it ever going to be as big as it was in the early 1900s, Davey? No, I don't think so. It's just, it, well, it'll never be a spectator sport or a reality sport or have, you know, wild, wild world of sports did cover cover it back in the 80s mm-hmm. you know there you know they had helicopters fil- filming some of these races at leadville and western um but now you know if it were a, an olympic uh sport maybe uh but now we are some we're gonna stay in a crazy niche i think here in the future but but what's wonderful is the sport grows and it keeps growing as more people understand that just normal people can participate in this sport. Back in the uh, the uh, 1800s, most of them were professionals. Uh, so it was not a sport where just everyday person could get involved in. But again, once the 60s hit, 70s, it was open for everybody. And there wasn't an amateur status or a professional status. Right. It's, it's something, if you want to try it, go try it. Uh, and people think you're crazy because you're going past that marathon boundary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but go go give it a try. And, uh, and pe- people, you know, the books that have been published, Born to Run and other books, have really brought it to the spotlight. And so I think it'll keep growing. And I think tracks and roads have have come back in a resurgent even the six-day race mm-hmm. and you're seeing these world records these 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 records that we thought were unbreakable are now being broken <laughs> in very impressive ways by camille and others and i think it's fascinating to watch what's happening into the sport it really is do you think the bubble will ever burst davy and people will be able to get the two-time loser rule will come back to the western states lottery I don't know. <laughs> it depends on who's, who's who's in charge. I don't. I don't know. You know, you wish it could be opened up to more more people on those trails. I, I don't think a, a, another hundred people on the trail would make it terrible. Maybe you'd have to get rid of pacers, but uh, wish there could be more participation uh, in in some of these races. Because it is some of, these, some of these European races. Races have 
5,000 people in it. Right. It's, yeah, it's crazy. You see those start lines at some of those European races. You're like, oh, my God, that's bigger than some big city marathons yeah. in, in the States. Yeah. Davey, before I let you go, who is an early ultra runner of the reboot, the resurgence of the sport? So I'm talking seventies. Who is an early star of the sport that everyone should know, but no one remembers? <laughs> you know, and so I am, I'm also now the director of the American ultra running hall of fame. Yes. Congrats on that, by the way. Yeah. So the last few years took that over and still work to induct people each year. And so I, I can't remember how many people are in that 20 something, but one of my heroes back then is a man, a runner named Park Barner mm-hmm. from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And he he was called the human metronome because he, he was unusual that he, he just had this steady, steady way of running his races. And he was normally heads and shoulders about above everybody else, but he was prolific. He would run a, a race on one weekend and then go get in his VW bus or whatever he was driving and drive to another venue and run another 50 mile race or hundred mile race. And, uh, he was, uh, people idolized him back then. Uh, and he's, he's still around with us. Really? He, yeah. He became in his seventies, he became very, a professional, um, horseshoe tosser. <laughs> <laughs> really yeah, very very good uh and i think he i think he's run the harrisburg marathon i think i don't know more than anybody else uh, he's still still out there and is close to 80 years old i'm sure uh or over 80 and uh but just an impressive person who never shot he never put the spotlight on himself there's very shy individual uh but you'll see him in pictures and in the old old editions of Ultra Running Magazine, that he was always winning and uh, was really a hero. And so he's he's one of my heroes. Did he run Western States? Did Park run it? He never did. No, I don't think he. I don't think he ever did. I don't think he ever did. I think he did stay. You know, he 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 didn't run. He did. You know, he won um, JFK fifty mm. uh, and some of those. Um, those races that were on the canal trails and so forth did did really well and very long distance and he set some american records uh and uh but i don't don't think he ever did western okay davy crockett that was a heck of an hour man the the real the real history of western states I can't thank you enough for for just taking the time and oh, sharing these amazing and, and stories again, Western States is an incredible race. Absolutely. And uh, I just, I have all the respect in the world for those who started it. Uh, again, they they weren't historians. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were endurance horse racers and they, they were targeted to make their race grow. And they were, so, so they, you know, they didn't tell the, the history exactly right. Uh, but what they did and what they did for this sport is is commendable and have all the respect in the world for them. 